Hey guys, it's Dr. J. And Apostle Sherman. And we are so excited that you have tuned in for this week's message. We pray that it blesses you and helps to transform your life and the direction that God has for you. Enjoy the message. How many of you have been enjoying this Let's Grow Old Together series? Man, it has rocked um, our lives, even in delivering the word. Um, it's been so, so impactful. And we've heard so many stories of people whose lives have been transformed by the word and by these experiences at Anwa on the Lawn. So we're happy that you're here. And we're jumping into week four of the Let's Grow Old Together series. And I love this series because it's all been about finding family in unexpected places. Yeah. And we've been talking about learning how to interact and really grabbing a hold of the increasing value for what is provided in the power of community. Yeah. Last week was beautiful because we started talking about this concept of mothering and fathering and the responsibility that each and every one of us have to use our life and our experiences with God to help mature and even help raise up others around us. We have a responsibility. Everybody say we have a responsibility. Acting on the mothering and fathering nature has to do with leveraging maturity. Yeah. I love that word, maturity. Because maturity is not just about age. Yeah. How many of you know some old folks that are not mature? Amen. And how many of you know some young people that are not mature? Maturity is not an age thing. Not everybody that's older in age is mature. And so we've got to grab a hold of that. It's about, it's about the spirit of wisdom. Somebody say it's a spirit. It's a spirit. And it comes from time with God. And also when you're mothering and fathering, you're looking at the concept of what you've been able to master. Yeah. You've had some areas in your life that tried to master you, but then you were able to master it. Are there any testimonies out here tonight where you were like, I was tied up in something, but God taught me how to have victory over it. And because I know I have victory over it now, I understand I have the responsibility to help a whole lot of other people get free from the thing that I was bound in before. And you know, that's why the devil wants you to shut up and he doesn't want your testimony to be told because if you ever be honest about the journey and if you help other people come out, hell is scared about the victory that you already have in God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Titus 2 and 3 um, reads, likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and love their children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands, so that no one will malign the word of God. At its great, greatest level of effectivity, the church thrives on letting the mature influence the immature. Yeah. Um, we have a, a wide range of kids, and our oldest is 13. The youngest is two. It is an expectation that the 13-year-old models certain things. And so it would be unacceptable for the 13-year-old to poop his pants and say that he did it because the 2-year-old pooped his pants. My God. And when we think about this in the church, we sometimes want to run away from that responsibility. But your time with God, your victories in God, you owe it to raise those behind you. And it feels like pressure. And it feels like responsibility and it feels like I don't want to have to be on all the time, but 
your yes to God, your thank you to God is for you to agree, to set an example for others, to mother them, to father them. As we are living in um, the kingdom of God, we pray, you know, your kingdom come, your will be done. The ecosystem of the kingdom of God is that the more that you get, the more that you give away. And so if you are going to be a part of the kingdom, as you get, you give away and you get and you give away and you get and you give away. You want to get freedom, then you give freedom. You want to get wisdom, then you give wisdom. You want to get guidance and you give guidance. You want to get yes. prayer, you give guidance. Yes. You give prayer. And so we got to make sure that we're not trying to work outside of the ecosystem of the kingdom. This family thing is called responsibility. We are accountable one for another. And you may say, I'm not ready to be a mother. I'm not ready to be a father. But it has nothing to do with you feeling like you are ready. It has to do with you looking back over your life and looking at the testimony of your life and seeing how far the Lord has brought you. And as you look back and you see how far the Lord has brought you, you have a responsibility to hold somebody's hand. You have a responsibility to bring somebody else along. You have a responsibility. You don't get to say no to mothering. You don't get to say no to fathering. Why? Because that is the kingdom of God. God is calling us to be mature men, to be mature women. He is calling us to be mothers and fathers in his house. Yes, even right now. It's so true. It's so true. And the truth is God is making us hungry for family. Yeah. He's making us hungry for the relationship because some of us live life so long where we have convinced ourselves we did not need family. And so the idea is, as long as I have this nat- our natural family, which is important, and remember, the spiritual family or the household of faith does not become a replacement for our natural family. Yes. Somebody say amen. Amen. But it becomes an enhancement to it. But some of us have felt like, because I had natural family, I don't need a spiritual family. But oftentimes, that's just been uh, a kind of pretense. It's just been a bit of a, a wall that we've lifted up to try to keep ourselves from being hurt yeah. or to keep ourselves from having to Deal with the responsibility of growing relationship and dealing with family. But God wants to make you aware and hungry for the need of relating for others in the spiritual context as family. It's a commitment to put ourselves in the position to pour. To see the potential in another individual and to help them to live out that potential. Yeah. How many of you know that lots of people went into the grave with potential that was never realized? Yeah. There are people around the world who are in the grave that never at all lived up to this idea of potential. But God anoints each and every one of us to grab a hold of the fathering nature, the mothering nature, the brother nature, the sister nature, to make a commitment to one another as a body of Christ, as the household of faith, that I'm not only going to gas up your potential. Yeah. <laughs> But I'm going to help you to actually live it out. Yeah. How many of you know the wrong environment will gas up your potential to the point where you'll start feeling like you've already realized it and you haven't? Only two of y'all going to say amen. If you start talking to the wrong people, come on, they'll start telling you all kind of stuff that will gas you up. And you'll be feeling like, oh, I'm there. Oh, yeah, I'm a business owner. And you haven't even started your business plan. But they have gassed you so. That you're an imaginary mogul. 
But we need people who are going to come in and say, hey, I'm going to see your potential and I'm going to help you live it out. Yeah. We need more than administrators. We need more than just leaders. We need more than pastors. Uh, we, we need people to come alongside and say, I'm willing to be a mother. I'm willing to be a father. I'm willing to be a son. I'm willing to be a daughter in the household of faith. Yeah. Let's jump over to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 19 is where we're going next. This is what the Bible says. It says, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. Somebody say fellow citizens. Fellow citizens. With the saints and the members, look at this please, of the household of God. The household of God. That the, the, the church is not just a place where we gather. It's not just the demonstration of us as an extension of the kingdom, but it's a household. It's a household. And we have missed out sometimes on the manifestation of what God wanted to do through the beautiful church, through the beautiful bride of Christ, because we've missed out on the household aspect. When you don't grab a hold of household, you live as aliens and strangers. When you don't grab a hold of family, you'll grab a hold of the idea of orphan, alien, and stranger. You will never feel like you belong until you embrace family. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. And it's built, the Bible says, on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together. Somebody say joined together. Joined together. Grows into the holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together in a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Amen. And so as we talk about this whole, like, God's family, yeah. the household of faith, it's, it's a different level of commitment. And it's sometimes easier to walk away um, from people that you are not tied to. I know as an educator, um, I call my students my kids. Um, so much to where sometimes people get confused. And I'd be like, oh, my kid's at work. Um, but it's a different commitment when you embrace each other as family. We don't walk away as fast when we embrace each other as family because we're committing one to another. Yeah. And so this week, we want to push into um, another key, which is really the key to success in any healthy relationship. And so that includes a familial relationship, and that is communication. And so today we're going to try to get through <laughs> um, a message that we'd like to entitle uh, The Great Exchange. How many of you know that every interaction of communication that you have, there's an exchange? And so there's an exchange made. There's a deposit made. There is this um, switching of information, this switching of emotions yeah. where we're communicating one to another. And when we look at family communication, we're talking about the way that we speak to each other. Yes. We're talking about our verbal communication, but not just that, our non-verbal communication as it's exchanged between family members because it's sometimes not what we say, but it's how we say it. And so um, this idea of having open and honest communication, it creates this atmosphere for um, a family, both a natural family, a spiritual family, to express their difference to express how they love each other as well as how much they admire each other. A lot of times we focus on communicating our differences, but we don't communicate as much our love and admiration for another. But as we communicate with each other, um, these family members, we're expected to resolve 
unavoidable problems. Yes, unavoidable problems. We sometimes have held um, a church to a certain standard because we're supposed to be the church. Um, I heard one individual say that they expect to be hurt in the world, but they don't expect to be hurt in the church. And it broke my heart because when you have false expectations, your expectation will never be met. And so you'll end up running for the rest of your life. And so the only advice I can have for you, if you want to go to a church where you won't be hurt, make sure that you don't attend there because the minute that God appointed me to this church I'm sorry guys but your church is no longer perfect because I go here and so because I go here and because I make mistakes I'm not talking about you I'm talking about myself because I'm not perfect because I don't say it right all the time because I don't look right all the time because my attitude is not right all the time I'm not talking about you I'm talking about me yes because I pastor here I am sorry this will not this is not it will never be a perfect church because I'm here wow So as soon as you commit yourself to being on the roll, you just made that place imperfect. But what God wants to do is he wants to realign our expectation. He wants to realign our expectation and he wants to raise your level of expectation to say that as I progress, my church will progress. As I progress, my brothers and sisters will progress. As I get a handle on my attitude, then the brothers and sisters in my church will get a handle on their attitude. As I am perfected, then they will become perfected. But it's through communication that we're able to actually master this expectation. Who you talk to and what you talk about are contributing factors to the health of your soul or the lack thereof. Listen to me. Who you talk to and what you talk about is going to determine the level of deposit and how your soul is well or is not well. We've got to make sure that our communication aligns not with how we're feeling but with what God wants to do in the presence of family without a doubt I love it James chapter 1 verse 19 let's go there James 1 19 let's see what the Bible says about it our goal tonight is not to share with you a bunch of our opinions concerning communication but to share with you what the word says how many of you came here for the word and not our opinion amen and so I don't want to give you that tonight I want to give you what the Bible says about it James 1 and 19 in the English Standard Version says this know this my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear. Everybody say quick to hear. Quick to hear. Say it again. Quick to hear. Quick to hear. Say slow to speak, slow to speak. and slow to, slow to anger. Oh, my. I want to give you some keys to communication. Here's the first thing that I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes. Communication involves the ability to pay attention to what others are thinking and feeling. It involves the ability to pay attention. Somebody say pay attention. Pay attention. So we can be so into whatever we're doing that we're not actually present in the moment. We're not actually paying attention. We're not being active in making sure that we're listening to what you are saying. Or we've been in that position where we're waiting for our moment. So then we're not really listening to what you're saying because we're just looking to jump in. Somebody been there before. Amen. And so it's vitally important that we actually be involved in paying attention to not only what each other are thinking, but our feeling. We've got to give value to the feelings of others. 
Now, this doesn't mean that we allow people or we encourage people to be ran by their feelings. But in order to really help you as being a part of your community, I need to listen to your feelings. That doesn't mean that your feelings never get adjusted. Here's the thing about feelings. You'll be having feelings and you'll think that just because you feel it is real. It's real to you, but it doesn't mean that it's real. That means that you could feel like somebody is angry with you. That doesn't mean that the person is angry with you just because you feel that they're angry with you. But it's through the power of communication that we listen, we lean in, and we listen so we can help each other. Here's the next one. You, when you're really pushing into communication, you're getting to say your part is not the goal. We just mentioned that. Getting to say your part is not the goal. When I'm in communication, I'm not trying my best to just try to spit out whatever I want to get out to you. But I listen more than I speak. I listen more than I speak. So we got to really evaluate ourselves. If I be honest, there have been times in communication just in life period where I've done a lot more talking than I have listening. Yeah. Or we become the people that when you're, when you're in the process of listening to other people, you're like you're stepping in sharing so much about what you think or how you already know or, or what you already are aware of versus active listening with those people. Yeah. You can't give your ear to anger. Because when you give your ear the anger, you up, open up the door for you to come to the place of being frustrated and wanting to give up on other people. Anger and foolish things will do their best to get in your ears. But you don't want to end up being in regret because of something you said because you're giving ear to anger. It is possible to communicate how I'm feeling without getting angry. See, the spirit of anger don't want me to tell you that right now. And, and some of us right now, even while I'm saying it, you like, you, you, you done left the room, the outside. I guess we're not in the room. You, you have left the outside because you're like, no, when I'm angry, I'm angry and I'm going to let it be hurt. And it's like, no, oftentimes you have to get to the place of dealing with that anger because you don't want that anger then to even build and to turn into rage operating in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, let no corrupting talk Come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. So any conversation that you have that tears down a person, that tears down a place, that tears down an organization, that tears down a group of people, that tears down a group of people you know or do not know, it is corrupting talk. Why? Because they bring the contrast. Nothing out of your mouth should be corrupt, but only things that are good for building up as fits the occasion. What's the occasion? Remember, the original scripture that we started coming from was, who are my brothers, my sisters, and my mother? Those who do the work of the Lord. So what is the occasion? The work of the Lord. So all the conversation that you're having should be building towards the work of the Lord. Wow. So any conversation that you're having that's not doing that is corrupting and actually working against. Somehow we think that we can have a neutral conversation. It's either building up or tearing down. Wow. When you talk about people's shortcomings, but you're not talking to them about their shortcomings and how you can assist, it's tearing down. 
When you're talking about an organization and all their shortcomings, but you're not talking to the decision makers of that organization, it's tearing down. When you're talking about a family member to another family member instead of helping that family member, it's tearing down. And it's called corruption. And we like to call political, you know, politics, uh, politicians corrupt and things like that. But we ourselves have been guilty of being corrupt. We have this uh, phrase that we use here called life-giving conversation. Every conversation, every interaction that you have should have a purpose. So when you speak to somebody, when you walk up to somebody, when you have a lunch date, when you have a coffee date, when you have a meetup, when you have a kickback, whatever it is that y'all call it, whatever you have, it should have a purpose. You never meet just to hang out because it is subject to corruption. Any meeting without an agenda, hell will take over the agenda. Watch your mouth. So your intention will be just to check in. Yeah just to hang out, just to get on the phone, just to see where somebody is. You need a greater purpose than that. Why? The Bible says that everything you talk about must fit the occasion. What is the occasion? What's the occasion of your conversation? What's the occasion of your meetup? And then after you have it, you need to evaluate how effective it was. Hmm. So if the purpose of my conversation was I was calling to encourage you, you need to evaluate if I encouraged you. If the purpose of us meeting together was for us to get to know each other better, then you need to evaluate if we actually got to know each other better. And when you do that, you learn to focus on the positive. One of the things we um, often notice is how conversation will go um, anywhere if you're not defining a purpose for it. And it's not that it always turns into gossip and stuff like that, but you end up talking about things that are so off topic, makeup lines and clothing lines and what other people are are doing while you yourself your purpose is dying but you had a conversation and you weren't built up it did not fit the occasion and so we got to make sure that when we think about conversation interaction and the things that are coming out our mouth what is the purpose and is it actually building i love it proverbs chapter 15 and verse number one proverbs chapter 15 and verse number one says this it says a soft answer turns away wrath but a harsh word stirs up anger. We must learn the art of de-escalation. Yeah. Now, it's a common thing around my house. So I'm, I'm probably in communication the most hype of the hype. So in our household, on a regular basis, just in our natural family, when we are at home sometimes, like somebody say something, I'm ready to like, what'd you just say, right? I'm ready to pop off on one of the kids and you can hear Dr. Chiquette in the back like, de-escalate, de-escalate, de-escalate. And it used to bother me because I'm like, nah, I don't want to dis- de-escalate. I'm the daddy. You ain't going to talk to me like that. But, but what happens in those moments, the more you get wild and you get crazy, the more you're escalating the situation. So what's your purpose? To bring change and wholeness? Or it's your point to just make sure that everybody knows you're upset or you didn't like it. So when you're just pressing into the fact, no, you go, no, I'm not happy today. We're not having this. Then nothing changes. Hello? Nothing changes. So when you go in and you like you blankety blank, baby, and don't fake like y'all don't cuss. I see cussing spirits all out here right now. Don't play me. I've been a prophet since I came out of my mother's womb. I see you. You cuss. 
often. <laughs> so, so you're out there and, you're, and it's escalating to that. No change is going to come from that. You actually open the door to hell. Say amen anyway. You, you open the door to hell and you give hell interest in it. So interest into your life. So you've got to learn the art of de-escalation. Be aware of people enough to learn their triggers. What makes you pop off? And I'm not going to learn it so I can use it against you. Because oftentimes when we learn triggers, when we know your trigger, then we, we go and we make sure we pull that trigger so we can get you to get high and then be like, why are you angry? Why are you so upset? Why are you yelling? But it's because we've used the trigger against someone. So when we know the trigger, our job is to avoid the triggers. So if you know, this just came to me, so I'm going to release it. Somebody needs to hear it. So if you know that someone has a hard time with you calling them sweetie, honey, darling, when you're communicating to them, don't come and be like, you know what, darling, I'm sweetie, honey, I see you're upset. Because they receive that as condescending language. So even if it's not your intent, if you know that's a trigger for them, stay away from it. Look at the person sitting next to you say, stay away from it. Right? Because you don't want to put yourself in the position where you cause for others to sin. If we're going to be real community, our job is to help protect you from the way of sin. So if that's the case, I don't want to make you so angry that you're pushing your way into sin. My job is to protect you from the way of sin. So I'm going to be careful not to pull those triggers and send you down a road you should not go down. I love these principles because they relate to communication on every level. Spiritual family, natural family, while you're at work. Our job at the end of the day needs to make sure that we're watching out for one another. In a spiritual family, my job is to protect you not to press you into a place you shouldn't be in and the bible talks so much about communication as relationships are the economy of the kingdom and so if we can't master relationships when we then we will constantly stand behind a barrier between what god desires for us and actually what we're manifesting and so we have to master relationships and so i love that the the bible doesn't leave it up to us to just figure it out but he gives us such specific uh principles colossians 4 and 6 says let your speech Always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. One of the um, one of the challenges of being in a spiritual family is um, yes, this is unexpected, like unexpected family in an unexpected place, and we have somewhat of a disadvantage that some of us we haven't known each other as long, and so it can be a challenge to say, well, it's just so many personalities to learn, it's just so many different people to interact with, but the Bible t- gives us an answer on how we are to deal with that, and so if we are a consistent extender of grace. I love that. It says, let your speech always be gracious. So everything you say should be laced with grace. Wow. Everything that you say should be giving others the benefit of the doubt. Everything that you say, it says, should be seasoned with salt. What is the purpose of salt? Salt is for preservation. 
So everything, every word that you speak should be to preserve that person. Every word that you say, every phrase that you give, every prayer that you pray should be with the intention to season them, to prolong their life, to push them into purpose, to help raise them up. Why? So that you may know how to deal with different people. God knew that we would come together and we would be worse than a bag of mixed nuts. Why? Because we all over the place. We're all drastically different, but he gives us grace for each other. But the difference is when you meet somebody and you are building relationship with them, the effort that you give into the relationship is a sign of how much you value them. Wow. If you go on a first date and the date did not go well, After that date, you most likely are not going to try very hard to respond to them. You're not going to try very hard to meet up with them again. Why? Because you have placed them very low on your scale of value. But the more you value people, the more important it will be to you to give them what they need. The, uh, The language of the world says, take me or leave me. This is how I am. The language of the kingdom says, I will learn you enough so that I can be what you need. Wow. That was good. I'm sorry, I'm processing. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 13 says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Anyone. Let me read that again. Colossians 3, 13, we just read in the Bible tonight. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone, anyone. Everybody holler, anyone. Anyone Anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must, look at this, must forgive others. Accept each other's faults. Accept each other's faults and give room for people to fall short. When you're in real community, that community should give room for people to fall short. It should not hold people to some, um, uh, some measure, some expectation that should have never existed in the first place. It should have never been there. We have to share and accept faults because it's the foundation of love. Yeah. We have to be willing to be able to share where we're at. And then we got to accept what people are, even in their faults. And when we hear each other's faults, even as Dr. Jaquette was saying earlier, we must extend grace. That's what love looks like. There is a a religious spirit um, in the body of Christ worldwide that's trying to come in to try to stop real family. And this religious spirit tries to hold people to things and standards that God doesn't even hold them to. God gives us the room. He gives us the room to have faults. And he comes in and he forgives us. So if God forgives me, who in the heck are you? Who in the heck are you that now have the right to tell me I can't be forgiven? Because you created this standard that should never exist. God forgives me. Each and every one of us should follow the, follow the Father's example. And we should be in the place of receiving and accepting others and giving us space. When you know you have space, you don't have this tension where it's this idea that I have to like have it all together. We have a statement here at All Nations San Bernardino is that we are all 
We are all jacked up. We all have issues. We all have faults. We all have things that we are working through. Use yourself and Jesus as the reference for how perfect people should be. When you're looking for perfection and expecting perfection from other people, look at yourself. And not the you that you try to portray, the real you. Not the you that you try to show everybody else, the real you that you have going on. Go back and remember how messed up you are and how God keeps receiving you every single time that you act up, that you, that you show forth your mistakes. When you get out of a line that he is consistently and constantly there to receive you, to love you, to hug you, to welcome you every single step of the way. Any forgiven people out here on the lawn right now? And if you know you're forgiven, you've got to walk in forgiveness consistently choose to forgive forgiveness is a choice and I'm going to tell you what I consistently make a decision to forgive even in the context of, of the spiritual family, right? We talked about this a few weeks ago that, you know, people call it church hurt. No shade to anyone that's been hurt in the church. But we, we decide here that we're not calling it church hurt. It's people hurt. Because people will hurt you wherever you go. I can go to Albertsons and the checkout guy can hurt my feelings. And I don't go call nobody and say, girl, I had Albertsons hurt. Got that Albertsons hurt. It's hurt, right? But because that thing happens, I I choose to forgive. Can I tell you something? As a senior pastor, as a lead pastor of a church, I've been hurt more than most of you have in the local church. We're not comparing from that aspect. What I'm saying is from the aspect what I've learned in order to process through it is to know that I choose to forgive. Not diminishing it. I choose to forgive. You have to take the decision, make the decision rather, that you choose to forgive no matter what the level of pain is and the hurt is. I'm going to forgive every step of the way. Romans 12 and 17 gives us more instructions. The Bible's full of instructions if you look for them. Uh, Romans 12 and 17 says, never pay back evil with more evil, but do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. And I love this scripture because it really highlights this idea that you are responsible for your own behavior. Yeah. A lot of times we like to point out um, situations. We like to point out what we were the recipient of. But you are responsible for your own behavior. We talk about freedom. We have uh, conferences around freedom. We sing songs around freedom. But let me tell you this. Freedom is you choosing how you respond. Wow. So if you're truly free, you get to decide how you respond. When you're truly free, you don't have to respond how people expect you to respond. When you're truly free, that's why the Bible even talks about peace that surpasses all understanding. You walk with this peace about you that doesn't even make sense to people. You walk with this forgiveness that doesn't make sense to people. You walk with this grace. You walk with this love. You walk with this response. You walk with this calmness. You walk with this um, with this heart that has no explanation. Now that is being free. I don't care that you've been free from behaviors, but have you been free of your emotions? Do your emotions no longer control you? Or are you stuck to responding like the status quo? It bothers me when things happen and I have a certain response and people are like, well, if that was me, I would have. Well, I'm glad I'm not you. 
We have to begin to live by a biblical standard. We give ourselves too much grace in the wrong areas. You think, you think that it's okay for you to have an adverse response because something adverse was done to you. But no, true freedom means I get to control my response. Wow. True freedom means that I'm independent. I work independently of what other people do to me. I get to control it. I get to control my mood. I get to control my post. Preach, I get to control my thoughts. Why? Because I am independent in Christ. I don't have to be bitter because you were bitter when that happened to you. I don't have to take two years to forgive somebody because it took you two years to forgive somebody. Why? Because that is real freedom. Never pay back evil with more evil. But what? You're doing things in a way that brings glory and honor to God. I don't respond this way because I'm better than people. I respond this way because I allow God to let me respond. I don't respond this way because I've achieved such a high level, but I respond in a certain way because I literally turn straight to God and be like, give me a response. You want me to shut up? What do you want me to say? How do you want me to respond? How do you want me to behave? How do you want me to move my body? How do you want me to control my face? Like, Lord, what are we going to do in this situation? Because I don't want to do anything that does not bring you glory, that does not bring you honor. But your ability to show that honor is a personal decision. Nobody can make you act out of character. Wow. Like, at all. That is a choice. And most of the time when people say they're acting out of character, you're actually acting in character. So what happened is what's your true character actually got exposed. But even if you think you're acting out of character, God will make you new. You can't say, behold, he has made all things new, but your attitude and your response are the same. Listen. As the, as the minstrels come, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 26 is where we're going to close this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 26. I love this. The Bible says, do not let the sun go down. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. I love that scripture. Because it's, it's not something that's just for married couples. Yeah. To make sure that your marriage stays strong. It's for you, but it's not just for that. We've got to deal with the problem quickly. When we don't deal with problems or conflicts quickly, it opens up the door to the root of bitterness. Conflict is like wine. The, it's not like wine, rather. It's more like untreated cancer. You know, wine is better the you know, time you give it. No, it, it becomes like untreated cancer if you're not careful. If you don't deal with it, it'll begin to spread all throughout the system of your body. We've got to deal with conflict quickly. Somebody say quickly. We deal with it quickly. We deal with it immediately. We don't sidestep. We don't try to ignore it. We don't try to run from it. We deal with it. In real families, real communication it says that I care about you enough that I will not let this linger. And how about this? I care more about you than I'm concerned about this idea of I'm trying to figure out the best way and, and I'm trying to talk to a whole bunch of people to help me process how I'm going to say it to you. No, 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 no. The best person that can teach you how to talk to his creation is God. 
And can I tell you, he's present all the time. He's never absent. So you don't have to wait a week for him to give you the information. You can talk to him right then and there. Say amen. You can talk to him right then and there. He'll give you the information to how to deal with the one that he manufactured and he dealt with. And you got to have enough love and care to not allow that thing to linger because when it lingers, it will not only affect that relationship, but it will begin to affect other relationships with you, other relationships around you. You've got to deal with it immediately. Now, let me tell you what I sense out here right now, that there's several people who are out here right now who were living and operating in dysfunctionality so hard that right now there's a fight in your head, literally, while we're preaching this word to you. While we're preaching to you right now, there's literally a fight in your head because the dysfunctionality that you have begin to embrace as a part of your personality tells you, I'm just private. I know how to handle this. I'm not like these little kids. I'm mature. This is for people that are not that are not mature. This is things they have to do. And the word of the Lord to you tonight is God is talking to you. I need you to find your best index finger, please, and use it wisely. Point it at the person sitting next to you and tell them he's talking to you. God is talking to you. And the shift that he wants to be made has to happen inside of you. And we will not. We refuse. We refuse. We refuse. We refuse to carry the pain of a previous situation, the pain of a last conversation, the pain of a circumstance before and carry it into the now. And we make a decision that we're going to deal with things swiftly so that the healing may come. I hear you, Holy Ghost. For the Lord says, I want to send my healing to your heart so that you can be able to press into new levels of communication. I want to send my healing to the places of your heart because I want to begin to transform that heart of yours so that you can begin to walk in freedom. I want to transform that heart of yours so that you can walk in wholeness. I want to transform that heart of yours so that you can be able to live and operate at the level that I've designed for you to operate. Lift your hands. There is a wave of healing that's now beginning to flow to the souls of God's people. Now I bind this enemy right now that wants you to live that wants you to begin to live in anger. I bind the spirit of rage. Hey, and I bind the spirit of bitterness and I cast it down to the pits of hell from which it came and I declare that your freedom is nigh. Oh my, that your freedom is here and it's here right now in the name of Jesus. Hey, 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 the muzzle that's been on your mouth that's tried to stop you from communicating, that tried to stop you from honesty, that's tried to stop you from being open. I bind that up right now in the name of Jesus and I cast it to the pits of hell from which it came and I declare right now that your freedom is being released right here on the Lord your freedom is being released come on lift your hands right now there is a way there is a wave of freedom there's a wave of deliverance that's beginning to happen now I want you to say right now I let go of the past say it Come on, I want you to say it right now. I let go of the past. I don't care if the past was yesterday. I don't care if the past was a couple of hours ago. I want you to say out of your mouth, I let go of the past. The past will not hold me. The past will not have me as his captive. The past will not have me as his prisoner. Hatred will not have me as his prisoner. Anger will not have me as his prisoner. But I decree in Jesus' name, who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I am free. 
and I walk in victory I am free and I walk in victory I am free and I walk in victory so God we thank you right now for communication you've given us the ability to communicate and to communicate well May you begin to make your church centers for reconciliation, centers for models, even beginning to host political debates as people increase in their ability to communicate one with another. Your church has always been designed to be the model for what's supposed to happen in the earth. And so now, God, we speak to the barriers. We speak to the barriers of communication that have come to kill, to steal, and to destroy from the relationships of the people in your church and we say God we obey you we say God we listen to the instructions God we listen to your wisdom God we become learned students of the word no longer will we use other people as a model of how we communicate no longer will we even use our own families as a model of how we communicate but we set up a new standard we hold a steady standard and we say your word is our lamp your word is a light unto yes. our feet your word is a lamp your word is a light unto yes. our feet would you teach us today god teach us how to love one another all over again teach us how to talk to one another all over again teach us grace teach us grace teach us grace god break us all the way down to the very foundation and teach us how to forgive may forgiveness be the portion of your people today may we forgive like never before and not for forgiveness sake oh god but so that the testimony of jesus yes. is not tainted yes. so that the testimony of jesus is without blemish so that the testimony yes. of jesus is without spot yes. no longer will we make a mockery of your name but we are your people and they will know we are yours why by our love for one another may our love for one another be a testimony may our forgiveness for one another be a testimony may the way that we speak to each other God form and fashion our words so that everything that comes out of our mouth it gives life just like the honey of the words that you have sent to comfort us oh God may we be extenders of the Holy Spirit may we comfort each other may we guide each other may we lead each other may we be the ones who through brotherhood and sisterhood model you we don't want to be a church we don't want to be a body that does not reflect our father but let your hand be all over us let your hand be all over our mind let your hand be all over our mouth let your hand be all over our heart let your hand be all over our social media let your hand be all over our attitude let your hand be all over our body language we want to be pillars of the father God make us look like you come on would you ask him would you ask him today would you dare to ask him 
Make me look like you. Open up your mouth and ask him. Make me look like you. Make me look like you. Make me think like you. He said his ways are not our ways. He said his thoughts are not our thoughts. But he also said that we can ask that the mind of Christ come upon us. May your mind come upon us. May your ways come upon us. May your character come upon us. Lift your hands. The love of God is flowing so freely here. Just lift your hands and worship Him for a moment. I sense the rivers of love, rivers of love, rivers. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Rivers of love, rivers of love, rivers of love, rivers of love. Would you just press into that for a moment? Every worship. Wow, that was amazing. Agreed. We want you to stay connected with All Nations San Bernardino. Do not let the uplifting stop here. Join us on Facebook or Instagram for more amazing content. We want to connect with you. And guess what? If you're in town or even out of town, come visit us at All Nations San Bernardino all the way live.